property development, you can choose the people you want to work with that align to your vision, that align to your goals, that care about the outcomes, and and you can nurture that. So um, it took a little bit of time, but yeah, we, we got there in the end. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we speak with Mike Day, the Managing Director of Apex Developments. He shares what it was like growing up surrounded by snow rather than the sea, his unique approach to life, his Fortune 500 background and why he wouldn't touch a renovation again with a 10-foot hockey puck. Day named his company Apex Developments with an extra X due to his inclination to add the X factor to everything he does. Originally hailing from Calgary, Canada, he swapped snow for sun and took his business and project development skills to Sydney. I'm the managing director. I look after all aspects of our business um, from project management to all the legal side, all the directorship titles that I take on when we bring investors on to buy property. So handling all the annual accounting, taxes, everything from a director role, then I take on the full PM end-to-end management, um, looking at, you know, handling all our builders, all our contracts, all of our uh, legal requirements, all of our material selections, everything. Um, So depending on the cycle that we're in in the development process, Tyrone, it my days can really vary you know like some like this week i'm setting up a strata corporation i'm negotiating refinancing now that one of our units is sold for to to get rid of seven eighths of our debt and i'm uh juggling our builder and we just achieved an occupational certificate yesterday on my current development so you know but six months ago it would look totally different so it's uh what we offer is a complete end-to-end service with Everything where the investor basically doesn't have to do anything other than tune into a, a fortnightly investor meeting, hear the updates, and uh, and then in the tail end, I actually start providing like updates daily through um, Facebook Messenger or another type of messaging app where we post pictures and videos, and I give them an, an update every single day on everything that we're progressing from either the build to uh, anything outside of the build. He works closely with different consultants and his team to manage the day-to-day as they work together to achieve their goals. The team is is the most critical part, right? So I've got marketing teams, I've got legal teams, uh, I've got builders, all my design consultants and, and we all, and I lean on them quite heavily and then even so much so to developing rapport with the the sub trades of the builder. So like the electrician has been really critical in my current development and so is a few other uh, key key people. So, you know, making sure everything's set up, uh, especially when it comes to developing a, a really high-end luxury residence, like what we're doing down at 14 Bulls Road, it, which is my current development. And um, we entitled it Azure because it's on the water. But um, one of the, the key elements we're discussing, just to give you an, a flavor, you know, having meetings with electricians and security guys to make sure the lifts because each residence has its own personal lift in it. 
So you have to make sure that everything's functioning and running and, and that the security system is communicating with the control for automation system we've installed in the house that controls everything. So it can get pretty complicated in, in certain aspects and you, you really need to have the right team to be able to get through and, 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 and manage everything that you need to get done in a day. While his typical day at work varies, his morning routine is a little more predictable. Yeah, a typical day is, you know, uh, trying to wake up and, and start with 20 minutes of yoga and, a, you know, a 10-minute meditation with my fiancé. Um, I'm not always successful in, in, you know, like finding the time for that every single day, um, but I find that it really helps me to just relax and recenter in the morning before sort of jumping in the shower and, and getting on with it. But uh, um, the days can be, you know, sometimes quite long in the sense of, you know, you're, you're right till six, seven o'clock, you're still on the phone dealing with, you know, the builder will take calls quite late because they're quite, um, the, the service that we get from our current builder is, is amazing. So, um, but yeah, you're, you're just in and out uh, constantly all day long. And then at the end of the day, I, I try to get to the gym and uh, finish off with, you know, trying to look after myself and have a really um, healthy meal. And um, I've really completely changed my lifestyle in the last, since COVID. Um, we've pretty much just cut out everything. Um, it's really lean, very uh, healthy eating, and it's really helped sort of center my mind, my body, um, helps me focus and, you know, coffee helps too. <laughs> Sometimes their meditation features calming nature sounds while other times they prefer a voice to guide them along. And generally it's, it's just sort of more, it's more of an energetic meditation. So really sort of getting your body to relax so that you can really focus in on what it is you want to achieve during the day, what are your long-term goals? Um, you know, we, we, and then, and then at the end, my, my, my fiance and I always say, let's do the last five minutes. And there's a little gong after every five minutes so that we know when to change our focus. So it's like, gong, and then we, then we, then, okay, that's that five minutes. Now I'm going to focus on this and, and really put out to the universe what we're looking to receive and, and wanting from life. And it really like manifestation is, is really quite incredible. Tyrone, you know, um, I have a, an energy coach who's one of my investors who absolutely changed my life, uh, about two years ago. Um, right from meeting her, we just started working through some of the, the energy that I, that I was putting into things. And within a month and a half, uh, the deal that I, I'm just about to sort of wrap up construction on, like, just popped onto our plate and it was all smooth and flowed. And um, yeah, I think it was all sort of part and parcel due to that receiving and being open to receiving. Sometimes people think, oh yeah, I'm open, but they've got all these restrictions in their mind about how they want to receive things. One of the most monumental things she's taught him is that you have to be open to receive no matter how it comes to you. That was a big, huge sort of critical component to my current success was really getting inside and understanding, you know, who I am, what are my goals and what's the energy I'm putting out? What frequency am I operating on 
And, and is that allowing everything that I want to receive to come to me? Even this morning, I didn't have a lot of time, but you know, my partner just said to me, she's like, come on, just five minutes. And, and so we did, and it just puts you like, it, it, like, you know, you wake up and maybe you check your phone right away and you're like, oh, I got to address that email. I got to get back to this person. I got to get this done. But then it just allows you to slow your mind down and feel centered before you actually start your day, even just five minutes, you know? Um, but afterwards, we even looked at each other and said, five minutes wasn't enough, was it? Like, it, it's hard to really, truly, like, get your body to, like, get into that meditative, almost sort of hypnotic state. Um, because I did some hypnotherapy as well uh, at one stage in my, like, a, a few years ago. And that's like a full hour session of, like, where he really, like, gets you to fully relax and, and delves into and things just start coming into your mind as he guides you and asks you questions. And it's it really helps you to sort of clear out a lot of things so you can tune in to what it is you really want in life, man. It's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, to be honest with you, Tyrone, I didn't think anything of that stuff. If you said to me, oh, Reiki and energy healing and meditation, I would have been like, you know, three years ago, I'd be like, you're losing it, man. Like, like go, go, go have another glass of crazy, right? But... It is, it is, it works. It is, it is amazing how you can tune into the frequency of what you want. Dave delves into his early life growing up in Calgary, Alberta, in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. So instead of, you know, driving around uh, a beautiful place, uh, you know, and seeing all these beautiful water views we have in Sydney, uh, sometimes in Calgary, you can crest the hill if you look west and it's just mountains as far as the eye can see. Um, it's really quite spectacular. Um, I was recently back in Canada uh, for a four-week ski holiday in January, and um, man, it really reminded me how much I miss the mountains and how connected I am to the mountain. Although he grew up flight away from the ocean, the mountains and the sea are both close to his heart. It's amazing, actually, like when you when even just here in Sydney, you know, on days, if there's been a really high amount of stress or, or, you know, maybe your day's just not going the way you want, like just heading down to uh, the beach and just getting your feet stuck in the sand or sometimes uh, I like to going back to the meditation, just go back and just do like a two minute sort of thing, but maybe lean up against the tree and feel the energy of the earth. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a an earth sign. So I, I, I really ground out on, on, on the, on, on the earth. So it's, um, maybe there's a bunch of your listeners going, who is this guy talking about all this hoity toity, you know, energies and, and, and grounding and meditation, but like, it just really works for me. I mean, when you think about it, what we're building and developing is also, you know, trying to make sure it's also sustainable. So we're looking out for the environment at the same time as developers. So I think that's all part and parcel of what we do. Absolutely. That's a key criteria for me as well. We try to use as many sort of sustainable materials as possible when we're doing our material selections. It's one of the, the questions we ask our suppliers. So. so tell us a little bit about when you grew up in Canada. What was that like and, and how long were you there for? I was in Canada till 2006. I've been in Sydney, Australia now since uh, since 06. So almost, what are, what are we at now? Uh, 17 years. Um, but I left Canada when I was 30. Uh, I'd come out to Australia in 2001, did a year of traveling, but never left Sydney. I, uh, 
I, uh, I, I ended up just loving it here and, uh, I'm still trying to get back to that, to that trip, you know, to go and do a year of traveling around Australia. Um, but yeah, in Canada, I, I, um, I, 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 I've had many different lives, uh, Tyrone. I, I, I managed large restaurants and had a staff of 80 to a hundred people, um, you know, dealing with, with all different aspects of dealing with teenagers and young kids who you sort of employ in those hospitality industry. It was more of a glorified babysitting job than anything, but. Following his stint in hospitality, he moved into project management and sales within the oil and gas industry. For the last decade, I worked for a Fortune 500 company um, in the oil and gas space, um, managing projects and uh, dealing with huge capital expenditure projects, lots and lots of materials, tendering, you know, dealing with legal, every aspect of the whole um, sales process. I have a, a, a real background in, in, in learning from Fortune 500 lawyers, you know, contract management, contract review. So it's my, my past has really sort of helped me to, you know, managing restaurants is like managing a business because you've got repair and maintenance, you've got staff, you've got so many different aspects to learn about management of that type of business. Then you, you move over to a huge sales organization and, and you've got like a, a $50 million portfolio of projects to manage. And it's a totally different thing. And the management were incredible. They, they really opened up the P&L to me, the profit and loss statement, and, and really showed us where the money I was bringing in went and, and how it was used. And, and so you get a real sort of flavor, even though I wasn't making those decisions of exactly what my contribution in these businesses is. And and how big, huge corporate business doing $200 million a year or something is done, right? And then moving into, you know, I, I moved over to be an entrepreneur and, and, and look after myself and, and a director of my own company. So it's, it's really sort of, you know, incredible how the journey sort of progresses and how life prepares you without even knowing, you know, what your sort of ultimate purpose was and where you're going to find the most joy. Coming up after the break, he casts off some cold hard facts about ice hockey. From about grade 7 onwards, I would do every sport under the sun. His dream career that didn't come to fruition. I was really quite anxious to get out in the world and, and start making money and, and looking after myself. So I, I took the decision to not even try. He explains how he got started in property. And you can see how quickly you can grow your wealth like this. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. While Canada and Australia are worlds apart in many ways, growing up in Canada was as focused on one thing as it is for many Australians. I love, love, love business and I love numbers, but I would have to say, Tyrone, I definitely wasn't uh, uh, um, an academic back in, in school. I was all about sports. I played every sport under the sun, you know, even so I played ice hockey, I, I, I loved to ski. Um, but like back in, in primary school, uh, what we call junior high, which is like what Americans would call middle school or, you know, we, here we only have two sets, primary and high school. In, in Canada, we had three. It's primary school, junior high and high school. So 
from about, uh, you know, grade seven onwards, I would do every sport under the sun. Whatever the school would offer, I was on the team, whether it was the badminton team or the volleyball team or the basketball team or the wrestling team. In high school, I refined that quite a bit. I just did, you know, the the football, what we call football in 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 Canada. It, it, I, I think, I guess we would refer to it here as gridiron, right? Um, I did play rugby, but we didn't call it football there we, or footy. It's just called rugby, but it was rugby, um, not rugby league, but uh, union. Yeah, and I really like the union rules a lot better. So, um, but it's been, again, funny that I played three years of rugby and then I end up living in Australia. So um, it's, uh, but my main passion was always ice hockey. So, and in Canada, we would never say ice hockey. You'd just say I play hockey because playing field hockey or grass hockey, which people would probably associate if you said I play hockey, they would assume grass hockey here, right? And they're always surprised here in Australia to learn that there's an ice hockey league and there's rinks everywhere and that we travel around and that we, we, we play in a, a really cool league. He paints a picture of just how popular ice hockey or for Canadians, hockey is in his hometown. When I grew up in Calgary, there was only about 700,000 people and we had 80, that's eight zero ice rinks in the city, okay? And and getting ice time was still difficult because every every kid plays hockey, right? And, and here, just to give you a flavor, in a city of 5 million people in Sydney, there's only four ice rinks, right? So it's like, but... But the competition here uh, is is pretty incredible, actually. Uh, um, like they have a league called like there's a couple of different leagues. There's the Australian Ice Hockey League that travels around Australia, but I didn't play in that. I I I'm a little bit too old in years to be playing, you know, like at that level now. But um, it's there. I played in a in what we call a, a senior league where. Um, at the highest level sort of thing. And, and most of the players on the ice are, are from Canada, the U.S., Sweden, Finland, Russia, Czech Republic, France, you know, wherever, right? It's all European and, and North American players with a really like a, a, a probably about a 20 percent mixture of Aussies. Right. And and they're and it's all really good. It's and we play at just a high finesse level without the full body contact, but it gets pretty rough out there and. Um, I've been known to throw the body around a little bit and be a bit aggressive. Uh, I, I tend to be that way in life in general. So, As you might expect, keeping a large area of ice frozen in Australia is much harder than on the other side of the world. Well, the ice is a lot different here as well. Because it's so warm, keeping the ice rink cold inside is difficult. And and in the summer, the ice is very soft. So it's, uh, whereas in Canada, the ice is like, uh, it's solid. It's really, really hard. We would be sharpening our skates every two or three uh, ice times. Whereas here, I can go with one sharpening on my skates for almost the whole year because the ice is so soft. I grew up in a in a in a community that had a lake, and um, so everyone who lived in that community had lake access. And we'd sling our hockey stick over our shoulders with our skate on the on the stick skates on the stick, walk down to the lake, and we'd be there for hours, probably you know like at least two or three days a week, just playing what we call uh, shinny. So, you, you know, you have your shins on your on your legs, right? And the, the reason we call it shinny is because um, you can't raise the puck above your ankles because it'll hurt, right? So it's like 
it's just about passing and stick handling and there's usually no goalies to shoot at but it's just about like moving around the ice and you've seen if you've ever seen ice hockey it's a very fast-paced game there are systems that we learn but like at any given moment we just know where we're supposed to be in relation to our position on the ice and what areas of the ice we cover and what our responsibilities are so like it's a very very fluid game so it's not like basketball where you're setting a pick and this guy has to stand here and here and then you run that play it's like the puck can go anywhere and there's no guarantees of anything so you know it's very fluid and dynamic i'm teaching my fiance to to skate and uh because she's she's from colombia so she had had barely i don't think she'd ever stepped foot on the ice maybe more than a couple of times in her life so it, she's she's always amazed that when she comes to the games and she watches us, you know, just skate around like we're walking and and then still have the ability to handle the puck, you know, get hit by another player and, uh, you know, whatever, right? So it's it's all encompassing for sure. He had his fair share of falls and mishaps on the ice in sports fields growing up, which he attributes his determination in life to. I'm a very persistent person, like, when we set ourselves a goal, whether it be it business or personal or, you know, sport or whatever, like I, I, I never give up. It's, it's always straight, straight to the outcome. And, and, and even if you're, you're struggling and you're hitting barriers, it's like, stop, pause. What are we doing wrong here? Let's analyze, let's, and, and, and let's keep driving forward. And, and even when it comes to the property and negotiating deals with vendors, like sometimes you, you're just, it's just not flowing and you have to sort of take a pause and, and go, what are we sort of doing here? That's creating this, you know, not to flow and, and not to get this deal done. Day made his way through school with one career goal in mind and not the one he has today. At the end of the day, uh, I really wanted to be a firefighter actually. Um, and, uh, but then you know, I don't know what happened. I, I, I'm, I, I still am trying to, to get back to myself and, and why I made the choice I did. But I, I think I got convinced by by friends or other people that, you know, such a long wait, you're you're not big enough. You're, you know, maybe you won't pass the test. Oh, maybe it'll take six years to get a posting. And I was really quite anxious to get out in the world and, and start making money and, and looking after myself. So I, I took the decision to not even try and it's probably one of it's probably one of my life's only regrets to just where I, I, I just got rid of a dream I'd had since I was a boy. Um, and then I and then for the sake of money. So like when we talk about money now, I, I really and we do deals, I really try to center with myself and say, okay, are you doing this for just the money or is there joy and can you inject love and energy into whatever it is we're, we're, we're going to do? Because I think I made a decision for money back then just to get going, to get into the world and become an adult, right? So, um, but yeah, I went to University of Calgary. I, uh, I, I took, uh, you know, a business degree kind of thing. Uh, it was horrible, boring, you know, like I, I didn't enjoy school at all. It, it wasn't really for me. University undergrad degrees are really geared towards trying to sell you something again, which is an, a, a master's or something. And so half your degree is spent just 
you know, on all these options and things that are meaningless to you. And you really just want to get to the core subject, learn what you need to learn so you can get out and start doing business. As soon as he was finished, he went straight out with the intention of getting into business. So I started learning the restaurant industry because one of my other dreams was to be a bar owner. But um, I never really pursued that because at the end of the day, when you see how the type of staff you have to employ, throwing out cutlery, breaking your dishes, you know, the, the building constant repair and, you know, with the flu systems in the kitchen and all the equipment that you need. And a lot of your money just gets sucked out by people who don't care about your business. Right. Um, and, and I, and, and you're, you're really powerless to that because you can't function that business without those people. And, uh, so whereas, you know, property development, you can choose the people you want to work with that align to your vision, that align to your goals, that care about the outcomes and, and you can nurture that. So, um, it took a little bit of time, but yeah, we, we got there in the end. And I guess maybe a big question for you, would you try even going back to see him becoming, you know, as a firefighter now that you, you potentially could, or do you think that's a, a, a long, you know, gone dream? It's something my fiance asked me the other day, actually. And uh, I mean, I'm certainly in, in, in shape to possibly go back and do it. Um, but it's just, you know, again, it's the same story here in Sydney. Are we going to, how long is it going to be till you actually get a posting? You know, would you come through as a floater? Um, and then the other question really for me is like, can I be on shift 24 hours straight and actually function? Because uh, I, I need my sleep, man, you know, so. It, it's uh, like how I, I said that to her and she laughed as well. She's like, yeah, I don't know how well you'd go with that, you know, getting up in the middle of the night and actually like having to think about being safe running into a building kind of thing. Right. So um, but I think adrenaline would, would kick in and, and you'd probably get used to it and be fine. But um, more recently, I thought to myself, I'd probably be more geared towards like a uh what do they call them on the ski hill? The, the guys wearing the red jackets, uh, the, um, the ski patrol. Okay. So it's still first aid. You're still rescuing people, but you get to do it with a pair of skis on underfoot and, and you get to go up and down the mountain looking for people needing help or directing people or making sure people are safe. Right. So, um, I kind of thought maybe that would be something a little bit more that I could do a little later in life after after property, uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've kicked all the goals and achieved everything I want to here. It's certainly a big change coming from Canada to Sydney, but he was motivated by all the right reasons. When I was here in 01, um, I, met, I met a woman um, with, by the end of the year, we were engaged, uh, we got married and then she wanted to move to Canada. So we went back to Canada and um, that's when my property development journey started. I, I did a couple of uh, custom houses, architectural homes. I, and then one of my, uh, what my last project was a renovation and I'll never do that again. So, um, you know, you can ask me about that a little bit later, um, but it's uh, that's kind of how I got started in property, and and you can see how quickly you can grow your wealth like this, right? So in Canada at that point in 01, you could buy a house for say two hundred thousand dollars, right? Put forty thousand in renovation into it and sell it for three hundred and seventy-five three months later, kind of thing, right? So like. 
that's what I did in my last project, which was a really great result, but was an absolute nightmare and I'll never do it again. So as far as an, as an investment strategy goes, you know, just me personally, there are people who just love renovations and they just do them over and over and over again. And I take my hat off to them, but I'm a, I like new things. I like to knock down and rebuild, you know, as soon as you get stuck into something and it's like, Oh, we need a new pipe here. You need to replace the plumbing and, and the costs just go like this. And there's too many unknowns for me. The first renovation project he did was an infill lot that he bought from a developer who had already installed all the civils. Worked with an architect for a nice design, um, you know, project managed the thing by myself and, uh, and then came up with a result and put it on the market. And, and we, I think I ended up building it for about 260 and we sold it for 380. So took about six months to build and, you know, it was like, okay, good to go. And then that was kind of the ah moment, you know, it's like, wow, I can really do something special here if I deliver the right product and I can make some large, like I can make a whole year's salary in say six or eight months, depending on the build time, of course, you know, um, some of the projects we do are like two, two and a half years because of the DA process here, but when you're doing something simple like I did in Calgary with an infill lot building a single home, you don't need a DA. It's all just within, it's what we call CDC here kind of thing, right? It just takes you a few weeks to get your approvals, submit your designs and off you go. It's all compliant, right? And you just build it. Looking at the profit he made, he wishes he could replicate it over and over again. I started with a very little amount, like I think 40,000 of my own capital to buy the property, you know, get everything sort of sorted get the loan in place to get the construction and we just did it all. And, and then, you know, you sell it and you're like, holy cow. And so then I did that again. And then I finished with the reno and, and I'm like, I'm going to go back to the building something new thing. And uh, that was really sort of where my passion came in. Then when he came to Australia, he changed his investment focus. I was sort of transitioning over to a Fortune 500 company in the project management space and I was having a lot of fun climbing the corporate ladder and um, in and then so I switched my investment focus to investment properties so you know buying and holding sort of strategy but still building new right so we you know finding the like growth corridors in certain cities and capital cities in Australia building something there that will then appreciate uh, I recently just sold that that my first investment property and and had a really amazing profit based on the boom following covid there so um i i, I cashed out right at the right time last may right before the interest rates started going up and everyone was still wild and hot and crazy so i had a really amazing result with um you know the sales cycle we went through to to get the the the, the end profit that i that, that and that actually propelled me into, you know, getting out on my own and, 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 uh, you know, leading my own sort of company kind of thing. So, well, I was doing that before, but I was still kind of, you know, taking on a bit of a day job role just for cash flow, uh, you know, and, and, but for the last two years or year and a half, I've, I've been out on my own and it's been the best decision I ever made. I love being in charge of my day. I love being in charge of, of, everything really um and not 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 having anyone looking down on me going what are you doing and with expectations um 
And being able to work with a, a team of investors that I have is, is incredible because you have this team of people who support you with their capital, but it, it allows all of us to achieve our property dreams simultaneously. Mike Day's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. He shares the wealth building strategy that wasn't for him. And later on in life, about four years ago, I, I, I thought, you know, I'd really like to just have some steady cash flow. His advice for those starting their renovation journeys? Some people are really good at it, you know, they're really calm and cool and are just like, yeah, no problem, That we, we know that was coming. He divulges the ultimate reason he prefers development to renovation and the finishing touch he adds to every project he does. So it's that little, those little touches that, that, that I really love about the development process and why I chose that path. And that's next time on Property Investory.